Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network and ArrowheadAttic.com. I'm Ryan Styles, and I'm joined as always by Sterling Holmes of ESPN Kansas City and 810 Sports. How are you doing today, Sterling? I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing outstanding. Finished a book, you know, so therefore uh, I'm feeling pretty smart right now. Well, what were you reading? Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's by 1800s French, uh, French author Jules Verne. All right, that is that is well above my pay grade. That's that's pretty smart. So I'll have to catch up to your level. <laughs> trying. When you go to the 1800s, I, I don't read much from that era. So. I, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to become smart during this quarantine. There's nothing else for me to do. And, you know, you get so bored, it, it comes to the point where I'm reading 1800s French authors' books. That's That's the stage of quarantine that I'm at. I'm at the stage where I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, and one of the articles in there was uh, people are getting nervous about their Zoom calls and uh, you know they're the background of their Zoom calls. And one of the articles was you know how to make your bookshelf you know look, look professional and you'll not be embarrassed by it. So I think that you having that scholarly type book on there would have made your bookshelf extremely good for for any Zoom call that you might have. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But. Let's get into the Chiefs news, and the Chiefs started last week off, since we last recorded, by signing Taco Charlton, the former 2017 first-round pick. He played with Frank Clark at uh, Michigan, and he's played for two NFL teams, the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. He also has a fantastic sack celebration whenever he actually gets to the quarterback, but what was your initial gut reaction to the Chiefs signing Taco? You know, low-risk you know, maybe some solid upside there. Uh, You're not bringing him in, and it's not costing you a lot. Again, his, what, third team in four years after being a first-round draft pick doesn't necessarily bode well. But if there was an organization that seemingly gets a lot uh, from young guys and developmental guys on the, you know, defensive line, it seems to be the Chiefs with the emergence of TK Colin Saunders being already better than we expected. Derek Naughty showing something last year. We still have no idea what to expect with Breland Speaks, but Chris Jones even becoming a you know top two um, you know interior defense alignment. If there is a team to get the best out of Taco, I expect Kansas City to be that team. I think that the low risk high reward is the exact way I look at this deal. You look at what Emmanuel Ogbo was able to do last year coming from Cleveland, a guy that had a ton of expectations, and then he comes to Kansas City on a one-year deal to trying to prove it. He ends up being the sack leader before he gets hurt. You know, on the defensive line, you can look a lot better based on the guys you're playing around. If you have to put all your attention onto Frank Clark and onto Chris Jones, that frees up Taco Charlton, who does have talent. I mean, you don't get you don't get to be a first-round pick by luck. I mean, he has a ton of talent, and 
you know, maybe you can play into that Frank Clark factor of, you know, them two having a, a bond and he can kind of mentor Taco as he did at Michigan. Uh, but I don't see how this move can be looked at in a negative light. Now, it might not produce anything of note, but the fact that it could is exciting to me. Yeah, it's very possible that he honestly doesn't even make the roster. I mean, you just drafted a guy in, what, Michael Dana. You know, you have so many options. Breland Speaks is coming back. You still have Okafor. Unless Okafor gets traded, which I still think is a possibility just with his contract situation, it's a decent-sized contract for Alex Okafor. If they can find a trade partner, I, I think this would probably alleviate some concerns, but it's a very deep uh, D-end position for Kansas City. And you bring that up. It, let's just throw this out there. If the Chiefs, you know, with all the options they have and already having Frank Clark and already having Chris Jones, um, among the other options that we mentioned, at this point, would you be willing to accept pennies on the dollar just to get Alex contract off of there, given the cap situation that we're in right now. Yeah, and maybe this is what the the reason was for bringing in another guy. Maybe they thought they drafted that guy with uh, Michael Dana, but then they go, you know what? There's a former first round draft pick who did have some uh, glimpses that he has shown. Although I will say he's had some quote, you know, run-ins maybe with different organizations as far as not seeing eye to eye to them. Anytime a player says or tweets out "free me," you know, that automatically reminds me of Antonio Brown. <laughs> you know, the the whole "free me" situations. But you know, maybe Kansas City they seem to be able to have success with some players who have had troubled pasts before. And I'm not saying Taco has a troubled past. I'm just saying he hasn't seen eye to eye with some of his previous organizations. Yeah, they're an organization where, you know, you could have a bad fit in multiple organizations when you come here. All of a sudden, you're in unison with Andy Reid. You're in unison with Spags. You're in unison with the culture in Kansas City. They're not just good on the field. They have a very good culture in that locker room. So, that, I think, will be taken care of. And again, his position, playing on that defensive line, is conducive to playing better than you actually are. Again, if, if I'm paying attention to Frank Clark and double-teaming him and double-teaming Chris Jones, someone is going to be left running free. And if you have a first-round talent in Taco Charlton, you know, hitting on all cylinders, that's going to be a heck of a defensive line. Well, we saw that last year with Agba. We, we saw Frank Clark was a lot of times the one putting a lot of pressure uh, on, on the quarterback or the or the you know collapse in the offensive line, and then it was you know Okafor or Ogba just wrapping up, being in the correct spot. If Taco can do that, he can get some decent sack numbers. I also want to say, when you have Frank Clark, when you have Chris Jones, when you have Tyron Matthew, they will not put up with your bleep. You know what I'm saying? When your role models in Dallas are Randy Gregory, you know. That's a big difference. You, yeah. you have a guy consistently getting in trouble down in Dallas, and you know Jerry Jones is. It's a differently run organization down there than it is in Kansas City. I, I think guys like Tyron, guys like Frank Clark, they will keep him in check. And you you see that already going back to his Twitter account. He's he's already you know posting about how excited he is to be reunited with Frank Clark and vice versa. I think that he has that respect for the Chiefs' culture, whether it be the coaching staff and, of course, the players who are in there. I think that he will not be a problem off the field. I think that it's just going to come down to, is he actually talented? I will say this. Do you know what his real name is? I actually don't. 
it's going to be tough to pronounce. So I'm glad he goes by Taco. Well, there I'm. I'm fine with sticking with Taco. That way, I can make all the Taco Tuesday jokes I want to. <laughs> well, even better, Taco Tuesday on what was it? Uh, what was it? Mardi Gras? No, not not Mardi Gras. Oh yes, not Mardi Gras. What was the what was the fifth? Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. This is how quarantined out I am. I have no idea what even holidays are going on right now. Hey, it's okay. It gets the best of us, of course. I mean, I don't know what day it is anymore at this point, but. <laughs> Yeah, Taco Tuesday on on Cinco de Mayo would have been a legendary day had it not been, you know, stuck inside all day, uh, you know, being in quarantine. But that's what happens whenever we're in a global pandemic. And since sports are shutting down and we are in a global pandemic, the second topic in the A block is the Chiefs signed Shea Patterson, the former Michigan University quarterback. I believe he played at Ole Miss as well. They They bring him in as an undrafted free agent. And... If you're wondering why we're talking about this, so am I. But I had to put something on the outline, and this is the best conversation I could think of. Who's going to be the backup quarterback between Shea Patterson, Jordan Tamu, I think I said that right, and Chad Henney. I think it's obviously going to be Chad Henney. But do you have any differing opinions on that? Well, I think uh, Patterson's getting beat out by Jordan again. He got beat out by him in college, I believe, and I think it's going to happen in the NFL as well. I don't mind this signing. For all the people who seemingly were up in arms for some reason on Twitter about this signing, he's not going to be on the NFL roster, at least this year, barring some major injuries. At best, he's a practice squad guy. They obviously, I think, like what they have in Jordan. Uh, Chad Henney, I think, is entrenched as of now as the backup quarterback you want that veteran presence that veteran guy the whole reason why they brought in Matt Moore last year you know we've seen so many backup guys like this in Kansas City over the years guys like Tyler Bray who may have shown you know some aspect of their game where they excelled at for Tyler Bray was arm strength for Shea Patterson you know but I think it has to be Chad Henney this is just a practice squad type of signing Absolutely, and I think that this is a pre. If we get a preseason, it's a preseason type of signing. You know, he's he's going to replace Kyle Shermer, who they cut this week. I mean, he's going to be the guy that after a random August game against the Bengals, you come on this podcast and say, "Hey, you know, Patterson threw a couple good balls out there," and then that's the last time you ever talk about Shea Patterson for the season. He's going to be a practice squad guy. I think Jordan Tammy is the guy that you really look at to see maybe he can compete and become that backup quarterback. But the veteran presence of Chad Henney. You know, being in the league so long and having as much respect as he does, despite not being a, a household name, it's going to be really hard for anyone to beat him out, I think. Well, we saw last year with Matt Moore. If, again, huge if, knock on wood, you don't want, uh, knock on wood if you're, if you're with me, you don't want, uh, you know, Patrick get another injury, but if you if for some reason it happens, someone has to be under, uh, able to understand Andy Reid's complex offense and understand you don't have to do too much. When you have a lot of these outstanding weapons on this team, just give the ball to Tyreek. Just give the ball to Travis Kelsey, to Sammy Watkins, to now CEH. You know, you have all these weapons, and I think a lot of times veterans know the value of not doing too much. And so we were supposed to be getting ready for OTAs right now, Sterling, and I'm sure that would have been an exciting time for you. And 
I would just want to ask if, th- if things were normal, if we could snap our fingers and we are in a totally free and clear world where we're just focusing on random Chiefs topics and other sports going on right now, what would we be discussing today about the biggest storylines heading into the OTAs? About how the Royals are absolutely destroying the start of the season, <laughs> and how uh, you know Michael Franco is you know already hit twenty doubles. Hey, being the host of Locked On Royals, I can confirm I would be talking a lot of Royals baseball. And the schedule at the start of the year was setting up to be light work for that competitive lineup. But nonetheless, we don't know how that's going to unfold now. But <laughs> I agree. We'd be talking a lot, we'd be talking a lot about the Royals, but about the OTAs. Where would you go? Man, I, I guess you'd probably talk about the offensive line, and you'd probably talk about some of the battles that we expect to ensue going uh, going there. Again, I, I'm a big fan of Martinez Rankin. Uh, I'm hoping that he gets his shot. The guy that the Kansas City got for Carlos Hyde, an outstanding trade by Brett Veach. But I think Martinez Rankin could be a guy to look out for. Um, see if maybe he goes to left guard. Maybe Andrew Wiley, for all we know, swings back to right guard. And then you see LDT in either a try to find a trade partner or maybe you see him as a backup. There's a lot of ways it can go about. Again, Lucas Niang, a guy who I'm very high on, did a write-up on him a week or so ago. I think the offensive line may be the most interesting aspect going in uh, to next year with, with all that's going on. For me, it's going to sound, it might sound silly, but for me, it's the punters. I mean, we said last week, you know, you cut Dustin Cole quick. He's an icon, uh, but you don't punt a lot, which is true. The, the Chiefs do not punt a ton. However, that does not mean you can have a terrible punter. Because when the Chiefs offense does stall out and need to punt, you are now in a disaster situation. Because normally, you'd be driving down the field and getting a field goal, getting a touchdown. And so, on the rare instance where you would need to punt, you're going to have to dig yourself out of that hole and flip the field position. Because if you have positive field position and you're not going to put your defense in a bind, you're probably either going for it or getting a field goal with this offense. So I, I want to make sure the Chiefs do have a still have a solid punter for the one or two times a game that this offense will need it. Uh, so watching the punting battles for the first time ever, really, that I can remember, that you'd, be, that you'd probably see guys like Josh Briscoe and yourself out there taking videos of punters. I, I think <laughs> yes. that would be kind of cool <laughs> to, to, to randomly see videos of punters for the first time ever. Uh, but I think that that would be what we'd be talking about right now. You'd be like, hey, man, you should have been out there. His net punt on this one in, in shorts and a t-shirt was incredible. That, that's, I'd be down at St. Joe, you know, down there with my iPhone trying to get a non- uh, blurry video to, to to post up there on Twitter. That's exactly what I'd be doing. Very quickly, though, I do want to touch on the punting battle. And you talked about how for the couple of times a game you may actually have to punt. This could be a slight uh, blessing in disguise in, in the way that how many times did you yell at the TV saying, Andy Reid, you know, it's fourth and one. Go for it. You have the best offense in the NFL. Analytics say go for it, and then you see a punt. Do you think this could potentially sway Andy to go for it more, uh, to maybe listen to the analytics a little bit more, maybe not have the same trust you you would have in a 15-year guy like Colquitt as you would a rookie? Could this help in in a way? Trust. You said it right there, trust, because it depends what these guys look like. If they look overwhelmed playing with 
you know, the Hall of Famers that are on this roster playing in the biggest atmosphere in the NFL in Arrowhead Stadium, playing in, in primetime games every week because you're the Super Bowl champions, playing in a fight for the Super Bowl again as a repeat champion. If they look overwhelmed and they have, you know, they shank a few punts, all of a sudden Andy Reid goes from, hey, at least I know we're going to flip the field position to, you know, it's a 50-50 shot. He might flip the field position and we might end up giving up field position. We might end up in the same place we are right now. So if I can't trust you to legitimately help our cause defensively, I might as well trust the MVP, the best quarterback to ever play the game, and this lethal offense that features, you know, countless future Hall of Famers and Kelsey Hill. Uh, you know, you, you have all these guys out there, and then you have a Hall of Fame uh, head coach that's offensive-minded. I think this absolutely helps those of us who think that the Chiefs should rarely, if ever, punt. Yeah, I, I think this could be a potential, you know, move into Andy Reid and the more analytical uh, aspect. I do want to say one of the biggest takeaways that makes me nervous is the holding aspect. Uh, I know we touched on it last time we, we spoke, but I, I still think that's one of the main takeaways. When, when it comes down to this punting battle, it may come down to who is a better holder for Harrison Butker, a very underrated aspect that a lot of uh, you know fans may not think about, but something that's extremely important. Dustin Colquitt, every single, ki- uh, every single kicker, gave him so much credit for helping them. So that could be one of the things that separates one of these two punters. Because you look at it and neither one of these punters were, you know, really highly regarded coming into the NFL, uh, you know, as much as a punter can be. You know, no one watched them in college and thought, wow, these guys are going to be, you know, great punters. They're going to always, you know, cough and corner it, and they're always going to pin you down at the 10 or whatever. You know, neither one of these punters were highlight-level punters. You know, if you actually watch punting, then that, that does make sense whenever you pin someone down, you know, past the 20. But, you know, they, so they don't have that electric ability. So at that point, if you're choosing between five or, or an extra 10 yards on a punt, but one guy sucks at holding and the other guy doesn't, then yeah, I, I think that holding is going to play a huge factor uh, into this. And who is Harrison comfortable with? Because you've got to make sure that your kicker is comfortable because while games might not come down to your punter, about two or three a year are absolutely coming down to your kicker, if not more. So something that I am somewhat surprised about is maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Take a look at Corey Fatoni. Uh, I'm a Mizzou guy. I went to Mizzou, so I am a little biased, but... He averaged uh, like 44.8 yards per punt in 2018. Uh, he got a couple of tryouts with an NFL uh, roster, but he did not get drafted in 2019. He bombs punts. Cord for Tony was very consistent and had a massive leg. I was slightly surprised that the Kansas City didn't take a, at least a look at a somewhat local kid in Corey Fatoni. Now we're getting into the weeds of breaking down punters, and let's just say I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know, you know, OETAs is, is like around the corner, or or would be, as if you were talking about breaking down of punters from two years ago. Someone get Pat McAfee on the phone <laughs> for the brand. For the brand, I mean, goodness, this is what quarantine's brought us to. Where I'm actually intrigued to sit down on a phone call with you and break down punters. It's the highlight of my week, breaking down punters. It gets us through this. So as you can tell, this show is not locked and loaded with news because frankly, the NFL has been, well, you know, a bit quiet in chiefs land, but around the NFL, some things have started to heat up 
like the fact that the NFL has ended international games for 2020. This really makes sense to me. You know, you're not really sure if you can even have fans at your home games. And so if you can't even, you know, confirm that fans are going to be allowed in stadiums, although the Chiefs are selling tickets starting on Friday, if you cannot confirm that fans are going to be there, then how is it safe at that point to travel, you know, overseas and, and, and to travel in this climate? If we're not sure that this climate will, will clear up by September, you know, by October, then we cannot send these players to, you know, for, you know, London or New Mexico or Mexico or any place like that. Yeah, it, it makes complete sense. I, I think it's smart that they came out this early and already said, you know what, no. Let's put let's, let's cut this out. I think it was pretty smart of the NFL to get out ahead of it this early, because they wouldn't have surprised me if the NFL would have said, you know, let's do a wait and see, and then you know a last minute type of oh oh shoot, you know, let, let's let's take it back. So I do want to give Goodell and whoever else was uh, on this decision making committee some credit here. And you know, there's I mean by by all means, we do not have this figured out. In-house, you know, in, in America by any means. Because I'm just saying that we can't even confirm right now that baseball can play games in Kansas City, you know, or in, in New York. You know, now, it's the newest idea is to play games in your home park, but we cannot, you know, nail that down even at this moment. So if we're not even sure if we can play baseball games in our home stadium, in our home cities without fans, how are we, how are we sure it's going to be safe to travel? You know, travel across the pond to play football games. I mean, it's just in, insane to me that some people were kind of like, well, why are you canceling it this early? There's no reason to try this. We can pick it back up in 2021, you know, send the same teams over there just like you do with the draft. You cancel the draft, we'll pick it back up and, and, and give Vegas another draft. And, you know, for this year, no one will have a draft and we'll do it with Vegas again in a couple of years. So I think that this was the... A, a brilliant move and a great PR move, which you rarely can say for the NFL. I'll say this. The biggest winner is the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> the, the players, at least. Oh, yeah. The players are already pissed off. They had to do one, and there was talks of multiple uh, you know, international games. The players have to be saying, oh, my gosh, thank you. Did you like the Chiefs game in London? No. I, I, you know, I didn't either. I, I take that. I mean... Maybe that's too like harsh, just right off the bat, saying no. I think it's a very nuanced thing where maybe some players may enjoy it because I feel like some of the older guys, like maybe Dustin Colquitt or someone like that, may have enjoyed that. You know, you get you go for a week, maybe your family joins you, you, you get to explore at least for a little bit. You have a bye week too, so maybe get a little extra time there. But if you're a younger player, we always hear about how you know when it's the bye week. The second thing, the first thing they do is they they try to plan a trip with, with with some of the guys and have some fun, let us some steam. Well, if you're stuck in London, you know maybe with families, you, you can't really do that. So I, I think it all depends on you know where you're at in your career. But as far as a fan, as long as the Chiefs weren't giving up a home game, I didn't mind too much. But 9 a.m. games, I don't like waking up that early. You have the nail on the head right there. I'm, I'm selfish. That's why I didn't like it. I, I don't like waking up that early. So whenever they throw on the Bengals and, and Jaguars, I'm fine. I'll, I'll catch the fourth quarter on NFL Network. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just sleep in, and I'll be all right. But whenever you throw the Chiefs on there, now I've got to wake up at like 8 o'clock, get myself mentally prepared for this, get some coffee, and get things going. And then it's just a whole process. So I didn't like that fact, uh, you know, when the Chiefs went over there. I will say, though, being a punter on a team that goes international has to be pretty awesome. Like, 
you're just you're basically just getting a vacation. You're just hanging out. I mean, you go to practice for an hour, punt punt a few balls, and then all of a sudden you're partying in London or in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. I'll tell you what. If only I was extremely good at at something like that. Too bad I'm not. You know, why am I five ten one sixty four? Well, take that back. I'm like Tyree Kill size. Too bad I'm not fast or can catch or athletic. You know. If only I had those those aspects. Yeah, because it's got to be a grind. Like for offensive linemen to, to get inside the plane, go on a longer trip. If you're going to London, a longer trip than you're ever going to take. You know, go get beat up again. You're not going to feel like doing anything. If you're a punter, you're normally extremely small, you know, extremely small. So you're chilling on the plane. Then you get to London. You're just going to loosen up the hammies a little bit and then, then go have the time of your life at the pub. That's got to be awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good gig. I could do a whole podcast with Dustin Colquick or Pat McAfee. You know, I don't know if Pat McAfee's ever gone overseas. I don't, I don't think he has. So, Dustin Colquick, and just ask him about that time in his life that he got to go to London. Dustin Colquick is such a good dude. I mean, he I've met him a few times, and he's always just such a nice guy. I'm, sh- I'm sure if we were able to get him on here, he, he would have some fun stories and uh, would be very open about it. Do you think that he's going to play this year? I think just he, what your gut's telling you. My, my gut tells me a team picks him up. He was too good last year. He's not the same Dustin Colquitt of old, but he's still too good that a contender, a team that you know maybe has a couple extra million dollars to spend, but thinks that they need every little edge they can because they don't have Patrick Mahomes or they don't have Russell Wilson. They need every little edge they can get, and if they think a little extra coffin cornering can help them, then I think we will see Dustin Colquitt on a contender this year. And not only that, a a, a contender that struggles with kicking. I mean, we've said it since last week, his his biggest asset is no longer his leg. It's no longer the the, the punting. While while his punting is still up to par and it's still NFL caliber, the biggest thing you can say for him is how good he is as a holder and how much he helps kickers. If you're a contender that's struggling in the kicking game, that can be the difference in beating the Chiefs. If you can if you can make this offense, you know, go three and out or not score a couple possessions, and then all of a sudden you're in a close game, the difference in beating the Chiefs could be a field goal, and he could be a huge part of that, which would just be devastating. I was about to say, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to you know, the Buccaneers, someone like that. I saw they released, I think they released Brian Anger. I don't know who his punter was last year, but they've had so many kicking woes recently down in Tampa Bay, and they've been trying to get all of these former, you know, studs. Maybe we'd see Dustin Colquitt down in a uh, Tampa Bay uniform. That actually makes a ton of sense, and then they would just become the retirement home. I mean, you got Gronk, you got Brady, you got Colquick. It's the big three from like 2005, and there you go. But, but, but uh, you know, we'll see how that all unfolds. I think that you're right. The way that he worded his Instagram post, which, yes, in this day and age, we, we look so much into these player social media messages. It seems like it was not a retirement. It was just a, hey, I got released, but I still want to play football. But thank you, Kansas City, for all that you've done. I think that he'll play again for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so too. So the Cowboys made news, as they always do, whenever they signed Andy Dalton last week. The former Bengal quarterback got cut after the team drafted Joe Burrow and quickly scooped up. Not by the Patriots, not by any other team that needs a quarterback, but by the Dallas Cowboys, which, 
Of course, whenever you're talking Cowboys, everything becomes a meme as they sign Andy Dalton to a backup, the other backup, Dak Prescott. I am a little surprised. I would have thought Andy would have gotten to a team with a young starting corner uh, quarterback. I mean, he would have been fine in, in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is going full, full in on this rebuild. But maybe a team like the Jets or maybe a team like, you know, Buffalo, who if maybe Josh Allen struggles, but you know you have playoff caliber players around you that maybe Andy Dalton can keep you afloat for a couple games. That would have made a lot of sense. But him going to Dallas is almost like Jerry Jones saying, here's a little middle finger to Dak Prescott. You know, it's a little bit of a... you. We know you. We want you to be our starting quarter, uh, quarterback, but we're going to add a little pressure on you. We haven't signed this long-term deal yet, so let's just uh, put a little heat, uh, you know, on your feet right here. Yeah, I think that Andy Dalton signing for a one-year, four million dollar deal. Well, it does create, you know, the the internet memes and the trolls and everything, and I can see it. Kind of, you know, maybe applying pressure to Dak. I think that ultimately, though, this is just another move. I mean, he's an upgrade from Cooper Rush, who I happen to like, by the way. But I think Cooper Rush, you know, could be a solid backup quarterback in this league. He's an upgrade from Cooper Rush, though, if Dak does go down. And, you know, you're you're paying him one year, $3 million. That $3 million, that $3 million you given, you're given him, it's not impacting whether or not you can pay Dak Prescott. It's not signifying that the Cowboys can no longer pay Dak Prescott. Now, why haven't they done it yet is another question that we can talk about. But I think ultimately people kind of took this and ran with it because we're in quarantine and because there's nothing else to do but to make fun of the Cowboys. But he's going to be a backup quarterback. He's going to be he's going to do fine. You know, he's going to try to mentor Dak Prescott a little bit. And if he has to come in the game, as you said, he can keep a contending team afloat with those weapons that they have in Dallas. And he's a hometown kid also. Yeah. So he's comfortable there. Yeah, I mean, overall, I guess you got to say it's probably a pretty good deal for Dallas. I, again, I'm, I'm more or less just surprised that he um, that some other teams didn't offer him, like Buffalo, maybe, you know, or even the Jets, you know, just in case Sam Darnold starts getting mono again, you know, starts kissing some chicks. Or, <laughs> who knows, man? You know, maybe Daniel Jones is about that age. Maybe he goes out and it's the New York uh, nightclub scene. They just get mono. The Bills are the one that's the most interesting to me because, like, yeah, you look at Josh Allen, he's fine. He had a heck of a start to that insane wildcard game this year, which just I couldn't tell what was more drunk, me or the wildcard game uh, against the Texans and the Bills. But, uh, you know, but he's, let's face it, I mean, he's a good guy, you know, and, and I hate that every time that you talk about a player, you got to preface that with he's a good guy, but he's a, he's a, he's a good guy, but is he a quarterback? I mean, Yes. I, I wouldn't trust him to go win games I'm for me. I'm a massive. I wouldn't trust Andy Dalton to do that either. I'm, but I'm a big Josh Allen I, I think Allen that Andy guy. Dalton can spin it a little bit. You're a big Josh Allen guy? Big Josh Allen guy. Who who would you trust to spin it, though, between him and Josh Allen? Taking away the athleticism, just who would you trust to just go out there and fire it away? Dude, what's a dish thrower? You give me Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton, he, he's on the decline from, what, from all accounts. Josh Allen has... That's true shown some extremely in his prime who would you rather have what was that in his prime who would you rather have Andy Dalton or whatever or what Josh Allen is right now we have no idea what Josh Allen's prime is going to be though that's an unfair question Josh Allen I think has a extremely high ceiling I think Josh Allen's ceiling is higher than Daniel Jones higher than Sam Darnold 
You know, I think Josh Allen has one of the highest ceilings in the NFL. It's just a matter of time if he wow. realizes that or it doesn't. If you watch him play last year, he makes some plays that you go, wow, only Mahomes, only Russell Wilson or, or prime Aaron Rodgers could have made. Then he also makes some throws where you go, okay, this guy has never you know, played quarterback before in his life. So I think if he can get more consistent, you could see Josh Allen be a very, very, very good quarterback in the NFL. So I will say, between prime Andy Dalton and what we have right now of Josh Allen, I'd still pick Josh Allen because of the fact that he's made more jaw-dropping plays than Andy Dalton has made. Well, I trust Andy Dalton not to really lose you a game. I think Josh Allen you know, can lose you games, but he can also win you some as well. My thing is not to bring in Andy Dalton to compete with Josh Allen. It's not to bring in Andy Dalton to take his job or that he's better than, than Josh uh, Allen. And I think that you're right that Josh Allen has more upside than Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Whenever you start comparing him to Mahomes and, and Wilson, athletically, I can see it. You know, not, as a, not as an overall quarterback, though, which I don't think that that's what you meant. Uh, but the thing about bringing him into Buffalo was not about you know, benching him. I think it's about the fact that you know if Josh Allen does sputter you know, for a week or two, you can have the ability to hey, say, hey, you know, calm down a little bit, young fella. Let, let, let's get you. Let's get you back in the groove of things. And we'll put Andy Dalton, you know, out there, or even just have him mentoring you in practice. Because Andy Dalton is kind of a, a, a cool and, and confident guy, to where he can really stabilize that quarterback room for Josh Allen. And the, you know, you mentioned how athletic he is, which is undeniably true. That also leads to injuries and concussions and things like that, where you might be sidelined for a week or two. And I'd love to turn to Andy Dalton more so than whoever the Bills back quarterback is right now. A hundred percent. I mean, when you look at Josh Allen, look at him run, I think you can kind of make a comparison to the Cam Newton, you know, type of, type of you know, player when he's running the ball with the football as a quarterback. And, yeah, it's great, but you've also seen the injuries that have been piling up for Cam Newton. Now, will that happen to Josh Allen? Time will tell. But I don't think anyone expected that to happen to Cam Newton, and it has. So, you know, having a viable backup quarterback, I mean, look at that playoff game. When Josh Allen, you know, we always talk about Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Josh Allen was definitely seeing ghosts. That guy could, it looks like he's never thrown a football before. It was the weirdest situation. He didn't know rules. He was throwing footballs behind him in the middle of a play. Like, when that happens, you could have had Andy Dalton to throw in there. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about it. But, you know, uh, again... Andy Dalton going to going to the Cowboys. I think it's a pretty solid move for Dallas. Just uh, I thought he could have made more sense on some other teams. Yeah, and you you throw out the, the Cam Newton comparison. That's exactly why I would have loved to see Andy Dalton, as I'm sure you would have as well, as you said in Buffalo. Because I mean, Josh Allen is six five, two thirty seven. He runs hard. He doesn't try to evade you. He tries to run through you. Does that remind you of anyone? As you mentioned, Cam Newton, an exact replica of Cam Newton, a shaky passer sometimes. Although Cam Newton was a much better passer, I think, than Josh Allen has been so far. I will say Josh Allen has a bigger arm to fill into if he can get that accuracy. If Josh Allen, well, what did I just say? If Josh Allen can get some accuracy behind him, then he can turn into an elite quarterback in this league. And he still has time to, what is he, 23 years old? Uh, but you look at that quarterback room, I'd much rather have Andy Dalton than Matt Berkeley or than Jake Fromm or than Davis Webb, your, your, your three other quarterbacks you know, in Buffalo. So it's interesting, but ultimately Dallas gets a good, quarter, good backup quarterback. 
it's not going to move the needle that much, although it does get a ton of Jerry Jones jokes off, as we love to do. Yeah, at least we get some memes to work with during quarantine. So the NFL is set to release their schedule on Thursday night, and there's been a ton of rumors about, well, what is the new format of the schedule going to look like? What is the coronavirus going to impact the schedule? And next week we'll have my favorite week of the year where we just sit down and and break down wins and losses in May for no reason that don't matter, that we're probably never going to readdress. But, hey, it's content and it's football. But I want to ask you this. If you're the commissioner, all right, throw out any of the rules. Rules do not apply. The only rules that apply are the teams you have to face. So you can't change opponents. You can't make the Chiefs play some team that's not on their list of teams to play this year. But of the teams the Chiefs can play, you have the power, you have the control. Forget home road, forget any rules. Who are you sending to Arrowhead Stadium to open up the season? Uh, first off, I will be on Sports Radio 810 at 925 as of now, doing the uh, schedule release with Josh Briscoe. But I, so I think the, the way it's going to go is NFC South is going to be first. This doesn't answer your question. I'll get to that in a second. I think it's going to play the NFC South, the first four games, just get it out of the way. So that way, uh, if you do have to cancel it because of the coronavirus, you still have the AFC West games, you know, the, the important divisional games to play later on in the season. But if I had to pick a game, I think it comes down to Houston and it comes down to uh, Tampa Bay. Do you want the Tom Brady uh, versus Kansas City type of um, storyline, or do you want the Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes storyline? I I don't know which one is going to be a bigger draw. I think personally, I like Kansas City versus Houston with Deshaun and Patrick, especially after Kansas City came back, roared back from that massive deficit in the playoffs. I think that would be a massive storyline that the NFL and Goodell could sell. So if I had to pick right now, I would say Houston, Kansas City, that would be my uh, NFL lead-in game. And again, we know that the the Chiefs are going to be on the road against Tampa Bay, but we're saying if there's no rules applying to any of this, we can pick whatever we want to. I think that on a normal year, you know, if everything again is we snap our fingers and it's normal, a normal year, Tom Brady, you know, in his new team, gets the casual fan more excited than even a fantastic matchup with with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but at this point, you know, changing the format that you mentioned, which has been leaked already, that they're going to change the format, and if we have to cancel games, we're going to cancel the games that don't really matter for the standings. You know, they have a little bit of impact, but they're not they're not weighted the same kind of in that situation. Uh, so that we're going to get those out of the way in the first couple of weeks of the season. And it's been rumored and leaked, spoiler alert, if you if you really want to treat tomorrow like it's a huge event and it's a live event, you know, skip ahead for a second. Spoiler alert, it's supposedly going to be the Panthers, which is pretty interesting. I think that this is the year you can get away with that. You can throw any team on prime time this year after we've been so starved of sports and just so needing content and needing something to consume and escape from, you know, escape from all of this, that... You can throw anybody, you know, on that opening night and you'll get a, a, I think, you know, record-breaking, you know, TV audience, especially if fans cannot go and tailgate and, and commune and, you know, be in the stadium. Oh, 
No doubt. I mean, you literally could put any game in the NFL on after having such a drought with sports. But I think any of you could probably do that because everyone gets so excited for the start of the NFL season. But as long as Kansas City is playing, which they are, you know, you're going to have the top team in the NFL. Yeah, Carolina's not good. Yes, Kansas City should roll all over them, but it's going to be fun. They have Christian McCaffrey. That's a start. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, a, a new head coach in Matt Rule. So at least there's, I guess, some sort of storyline with Carolina as far as being a, a brand new team. You know, you could kind of say that. So either way, let's be real here. This is going to break some records realistically. Do you have a schedule? Now, this is a very niche question, but hey, we broke down punters like 15 minutes ago. So at this point, nothing's too niche for us. Do you have something that you're hoping happens within the schedule? Do you have you know, a, a specific bye week before or after a specific game or something that in your ideal world that would happen for the Chiefs? Nothing super you know, particular. I, I do want to see, again, the, the NFC, you know, the, the games go first, uh, which I think from all accounts is going to happen. Uh, that's probably my biggest concern just to make sure the AFC West games, you know, the important ones – that's what matters. Plus, it makes it even more fun towards the end of the season if for some reason all the games are lined up where the AFC West games are all, you know, almost in a row to end the season. That puts a lot of value on those games. It almost makes it even more interesting later on in the season where, yeah, it's probably not great for Kansas City since, you know, we're supposed to roll those teams. But at least makes it more fun, I think, in my mind. So for me, it's just the fact that we, we broke down the schedule of the, you know, coming up opponents. And, you know, you, you found a couple games that are toss-ups. The Texans are a toss-up. But given the coaching situation, I'd still lean Kansas City. Given what the Houston Texans have lost and, you know, Hopkins, I still lean Kansas City. And, you know, the Ravens, of course. So for me, if, if the schedule comes out and all of a sudden there's a bye week leading into the Ravens game, given how important that game's going to be for the top seed, you know, for that lone bye week, and, and given how good Andy Reid is off of a bye week, I would love for the bye week to be right before the Ravens. That's the only request I have. If Roger Goodell is somehow listening to this or whoever generates the schedule, figure out a way to make that happen for me, please. Doesn't Kansas City also play the Saints this year? I think that you're right. So, yeah, there's there's a couple more of yeah. those toss-up games. Yeah, that one. But again, I, I think I, that I, the Ravens is going to be the biggest game of the year. Well, that matters more because, you know, AFC, NFC against the Saints, not a huge deal, not a huge loss but if you lose to the Ravens that could be the difference between a one seed and the two seed which as we know only the top seed gets the buy in this year's new playoffs that could be a huge deal so that that game is probably going to be the biggest game of the season so yeah the, the buy right before it and we know Andy Reid coming off a buy that would probably be the ideal situation so yeah I trust Andy Reid within the division obviously in Kansas City I mean he's been fantastic uh, and I trust Andy Reid off a of bye week. And so if you can line up that bye week right before you go, go and take on Lamar Jackson and company and that just incredible defense on paper. I mean, what the Ravens have done this offseason has been nothing short of special, what they've done in Baltimore so far this offseason. Uh, so I'm excited for that game. I'm nervous for that game. I can't wait for that game. And I hope that the Chiefs have a bye week before that game and we'll break that game down for two straight weeks. Yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be outstanding. Again, I'm still saying right now, you're getting this on May 6th. I'm, I'm running it back. Chiefs, Saints, Super Bowl. I'm still saying that right now. Wow. 
So you're going to trust that that the Saints don't get knocked out by Kirk Cousins or any other <laughs> random team. Uh, I'm I am putting faith that this year is different. I'm putting faith that this year the Vikings don't do them in. Do you think that when when I should say this? When do you think that that second wild card team or that that extra wild card team is going to? make a run at the Super Bowl. You, and it's hard to just really gauge this, but do you think that there's a pathway for that to happen even this year? Is there no, enough I, competitive teams this year on paper for that to happen? I think Tampa Bay is going to be one of those extra, you know, uh, play-in teams. Maybe not the the seventh seed, but I think Tampa Bay is going to be an extra extra seed this year. So I, I think that could be one of the uh, one of the teams. I would have to do more in-depth uh, reach, but I, th- I don't know if Tennessee is going to win the division this year. You know, I'd be a little, somewhat surprised. I think Tennessee could be one of those teams that's the this almost the same boat as last year. They get hot at a certain time and go on a run. It's like baseball. You know, it's like the Royals. You know, sometimes the hottest team, they may not be the best team, but if you're that hot, no one can stop you. And we, we may see that in the NFL this year, some team that sneaks in. And you go from begging fans to show up in August at the K to selling out playoff games in a blink of an eye and going to the World Series. So, yeah, yeah. What a fun time that was. I mean, think of it. The NFL, say a team starts off, you know, 0 and 5, you're, you're not out of it. You know, you, you run sick. <laughs> you, think of the Browns. The Browns would have been, you know, I don't know if they would have or not last year, but they would have been in the running for a playoff team last year. I don't think anyone wants to play the Browns with at least the talent they have on that roster. Yeah, if the Browns win one more of those coin flip games, they're in. And no one wants to face against OBJ, Jarvis Landry, uh, Kareem Hunt, you, you know, Nick Chubb. You know, no one wants to go against And if Miles Garrett doesn't get suspended, I mean, which we know he did, but if he didn't get suspended, I mean, I mean that team, they were good enough to make a run. And I think that, you know, football and baseball are the two sports that are, it's conducive to lower seeds upsetting teams. And... We could see a run this year, uh, but we'll have to, again, break that down later on. One last question. I know that we said it's going to be a short episode this week, and it's almost an hour. Uh, but I do want to ask you this while we're talking about you know way too early predictions. Are you a big Cardinals guy this year? Arizona? I, ho- I hope you don't mean St. Louis, because if it's St. Louis, I will, I will <laughs> slap you, sir, across the airwaves. No, 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 no. Arizona. Oh, it's tough. They, they I feel like some, they're a really polarizing team. Yeah, they, they showed some glimpses last year, with especially Kyler Murray. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I, I don't think he's going to be as efficient as he was last year. They have some wide receivers. They did get you know a new offensive lineman. I, I think they're building the team the right way. They're, they're, they're in a very difficult division, so you know that's going to be tough. I don't know how good they're going to be, but they will be extremely fun to watch. Very fun. I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams, which is good for those of us, you know, in the Central Time Zone. Whenever you get to that, you know, three, you know, three forty-five window of games, and you're looking down the barrel at Chargers, Raiders, and you know any other West Coast game, that's at least going to be a very fun option to watch every week if you're not really into the big national game, uh, but. I think for Cardinals fans, this is the year before the year. I mean, you're going to finish you know, at the eighth seed. You're going to have a couple games where if you could have had them back, you're going to make the playoffs. And then if you continue to build the way you're building right now, you make that run next year into the playoffs. And you know, as we said, in football and baseball, once you get in the dance, anything can happen. Yeah, and Kyler Murray is one of those guys where I think 
he has the talent and the ceiling to really, really improve. Again, everyone's going to go back to his height and his his size just to see if he can stay healthy. But he does have some some extremely high upside. He's got a lot of weapons down there to work with. And if you build on that offensive line, that offense is going to be extremely scary. Well, Sterling, this was pretty fun. Do you have any final words for this episode of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast? Stay safe. Uh, support local businesses. I went to Mi Ranchito for the first time ever uh, the other day, and that was outstanding. But for the most part, just stay safe. Wear, wear your little uh, little masks when you go outside, and let's get excited for the release of the NFL season. And one more time, plug the show for tomorrow as we start getting the schedule information. You're going to be live on the air. Tell me where they can find that. Uh, Sports Radio 810. Uh, I'll be live with Joshua Briscoe uh, at 925. Time's up in the air. I, I believe I, whenever the show starts, whenever the, the schedule's getting released and everything will we'll be live, but I believe I'm joining at 925. And for all that information, he's going to tweet it out, of course, on Twitter, at HomestretchKC, if you want to follow him on Twitter and see his Gardner Minshew-like uh, quarantine <laughs> outfits and hair and mustache and everything you got going on over there. Do you like that? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked the caption. I liked the vibe. I liked the garden. I liked everything about it. I'm not going to lie. I, very quickly, I was slightly peeved that... I have a great tweet. You know, I got the American flag bandana. I got my thick mustache and salt patch rocking. You know, I'm, I'm next to my garden, and the caption is Gardener Minshew. I'm like, oh, this is going to pop off. We're going to see Gardener Minshew retweet this, and I'm going to, you know, gain all these followers. No, nothing. Like 25 likes. I tweet out one or two sentences about how I think I Logan, what's it, Logan Ryan, the cornerback from Tennessee, would be a good fit in Kansas City. I get like a 200. I'm like, Come on. That's the new mission. That, that's your homework assignment for everyone listening to this podcast at the 50-minute mark. You've got to go on Twitter right now, HomestretchKC, retweet that picture, tag Gardner Minshew in that picture, and get it popping the way it should be popping because it, it was a brilliant <laughs> caption, and, and the dedication it took to get that flow, to get the soul patch was, was retweet-worthy. Thank you. Thank you, Rylan. Again, he's Sterling Holmes, and you can find him on ESPN Kansas City and 810 Sports Radio, also on Twitter at HomestretchKC. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And we'll be back next week for more Chiefs podcasts on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you then. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.